Hey there guys, before starting this episode, I just wanted to give a brief but important trigger warning. Anyone who might not want to listen to stories related to sexual assault would probably be best not to listen to these stories today uh, or just be ready to maybe skip over a couple of bits. It's not the main theme, but it does get a mention. Okay, thanks. Please enjoy the episode. Welcome to another episode of the Unboxable Unstoppable podcast with me, Elena Turley. Uh, This podcast is proudly brought to you by the Lion Life Academy. I know deep in my heart that when women get together, we go from feeling lost to not only surviving, but thriving. We join together in community because when we're alone, we can feel overwhelmed. We can be constantly trying to find solutions, but we get stuck and focused, unclear on what steps we need to take to move forward. The Academy's accessible wisdom and love-filled community opened the door to a soulful and ethical life of purpose. Together we help innovate a pathway to purpose and find your lion life, taking action focused on your highest purpose. So, with that said, the usual housekeeping rules apply. If you love this podcast, please do head over to Apple Podcasts and give it a review or get in touch with me with your feedback. I'd love to hear your feedback. You can find me at soulmamahub.com and you'll find me at Lion Life Academy and on socials at soulmamahub, S-O-U-L-M-A-M-A-H-U-B. So all of that done and dusted. Oh, it's so nice to be in the podcast recording space. I do love it. And I just want to say welcome to you and welcome to your intention, just having a moment of listening to a story, to another person's perspective, to taking a bit of time to enjoy some listening and some storytelling and some wisdom shared. Our collective wisdom is now more than ever really important to tap into. We need to keep ourselves in the light. We need to keep ourselves positive through some massive global changes and it's really important. So I thought today I would just tell a story. It's a story that's about meandering through some adversity and some difficulties and some ups and downs, but ultimately finding a very big passion and something that has completely changed my life for the better. Um, Not without challenges, that's for sure, but it's the martial arts and particularly the martial arts that I do myself, which is called Hapkido. Hapkido is loosely translated from Korean as the way of coordinated power. It's a derivative hybrid martial art, as pretty much all the martial arts are when you get down to it. And it essentially, um, in fact, the origin of martial arts is quite unclear. Some people say India. Some people say a bunch of nuns in a very strategic central part of China. So, yeah, who knows? I, I heard the bunch of nuns created something called White Snake, but then I also heard that that there was an Indian form before that. So who knows? It's a bunch of movements that uh, focus on holistic health but also self-protection and self-defense. But there's a whole lot of other implications that come in, which I'll get to as well. So essentially the thing to understand is that unlike the popular conception of martial arts, most of us are not out there to kill or fight. (laughs) 
<laughs> despite the name. The martial part is for sure real. Uh, we do learn techniques that are powerful and defensive and potentially could hurt people. But if you're doing the right kind of martial art, in my opinion, it's not usually the intention. It's not our intention, certainly, the way that we train to hurt anybody. We actually work a lot in how not to hurt. We may inflict pain to self-defend, um, to prevent somebody from hurting us or someone we love, but we're not about inflicting unnecessary pain or un inflicting any kind of uh, violence. That's very important. In fact, it's the opposite. We're all about peacekeeping. So certainly the martial art that I do works that way. So I just want to sort of precursor the story with that. So now we're going to zip to... Um, a young lady, me, living in a red light district, King's Cross in Sydney. And whilst living there, I was um, having a pretty tough time of it, to be honest. Both of my parents got divorced the year I finished university. I'd had my heart broken. I had moved out of home briefly, but it hadn't worked out that well. There was a lot of turmoil, a lot of change. And I was working. I was probably beginning an addiction as well, uh, a substance addiction at that stage, looking back. But anyway, I started martial arts because I lived in an area of Sydney that was a little dodgy. And interestingly enough, uh, before too long, I was actually followed home late one night by two young men. And um, they cornered me in front of like a church alcove. I'll never forget this. I can tell it like it was yesterday. And, you know, they had been following me for a little while. And I was on my, on my own, sort of on my way home. I lived about five minutes out of the center of this red light district in a little flat. And um, I could tell they were following me. So I sort of sped up a bit and they sped up a bit. And then I started jogging and they started jogging. And I thought, I might be in a bit of trouble here. So before I got to my house, because I didn't want them to follow me to my front door and know where I lived, I turned around. And just as I turned around, they kind of were upon me and backing me into this little alcove. And one of them had hold of both of my wrists. And the funny thing was, I hadn't been training Hapkido for very long. I'd had a bit of a feeling I would need some sort of self-defense. So this guy had my wrist and I was holding my keys in one hand. And the only really way I knew that he had my wrist, because I was talking, I was trying to buy time, I was trying to behave. I was saying, what do you want? What is it that you want? And they weren't speaking at all. And I was sort of picking up information while this is happening. I was looking at them and he was pressing one of the keys into my wrist. And I had a bit of a, like a bruise and a cut there later. That's how I knew that that had happened. And I remember thinking, I don't know what's going to happen here and feeling quite vulnerable because there was two of them. One of them had both my wrists and the other one was standing about two metres behind, kind of on lookout. And this one with my wrist was kind of backing me into this alcove. And I thought at the time they were going to take something from me or rob me because that was kind of my first thought. But as I was thinking that, I was noticing things like they had fresh haircuts, they had their shirts tucked in, they were well-dressed. He smelt of like an expensive aftershave. I don't think they were after money, you know. Later, I realized they were probably after me. But um, it was interesting. As this was happening, I was calculating. So because I had been doing a little bit of training, I already knew that he was standing too close to me. I could feel his breath on me. That's how close he was. And he was standing too close for me to do my turning kick. That was my most powerful move at that point. So while I was calculating this and talking a million miles a minute, I don't know what I was saying, I'm realizing where I was in space, where he was in space, what was going on. And the first self-defense movements we learn are wrist releases. So as I was working all this out, before I knew it, 
I had instinctively carried out the wrist release and released myself from his grasp. And before I knew it, I was standing with my back to the street. They were both in front of me in the alcove and I was like, oh, I'm free and I ran. So it was an incredible thing to realize that just a tiny bit of training and empowerment and thinking about where to place your body in space had actually saved me from a potentially extremely dangerous situation. Um, I think they may have been looking for something other than money, but let's just leave it at that. So I don't want to get too triggery here, but it was a pretty, yeah, it was a pretty full-on moment. And I felt extremely fortunate that I was able to escape it. I mean, by the time I got home, I was shaking and I could barely get my key in the door. They didn't chase me again, fortunately, maybe because they knew that I could fight back. I don't know, but I was very, very lucky in that moment. And that was not the only time that the martial arts had saved me. So I went on training. I trained for about five years and uh, that was in my 20s. And I was going through a lot at that time. I was pretty unsure of who I was. I was in and out of relationships. I really didn't understand myself very well. I was also, you know, even though I was training with incredible people, there was the odd person who I didn't love training with, who was slightly inappropriate in class, which got dealt with eventually. But at that time, I didn't really know how to advocate for myself. And that was very tricky. In general, I think I attracted um, kind of dodgy male behavior because I didn't know who I was and I didn't feel very empowered and potentially didn't understand, I guess, the way to identify moments of discomfort and danger around people. I'm not saying it's my fault. It's not when a man behaves inappropriately towards you. But I feel like now I would deal with it entirely differently looking back. And um, I put myself in a lot of danger as well by just the people I was hanging out with and where I was hanging out and the sort of behaviors I was embodying. So here's the thing. The martial arts at that time was a way of staying fit, learning self-defense, progressing through the belts. I got to the belt before black and I loved the community. The community I was in was incredible. We had an amazing steward at the helm. He was a Korean man named Matthew Sung Soo Kim, now Grandmaster Matthew Sung Soo Kim. And he was our teacher. He was the one that brought this particular style of Hapkido from Korea and had been teaching. He was a very experienced martial artist with his own story. And he and I actually became friends. We struck up a friendship and he was an amazing mentor. And I was able to tour up and down the coast of Australia with visiting Korean martial artists. I had a fantastic close relationship with one of those martial artists and we toured up and down the coast, went to all the clubs, ran workshops, seminars, incredible training. I also trained personally with Jihan Jae, who was one of the known, I guess, founders of Hapkido, or one of the known masters of Hapkido. You know, controversial. A lot of these guys, they're sort of prickly pioneers. They, they have ideas and they expand the martial art. They also take things in their own direction. But um, he was amazing. I remember his workshop very well and had some incredible experiences, essentially based around the idea that if, this is my take on it, if we are able to tune into our bodies, create an active dialogue with our bodies, and I don't mean like talking dialogue, I mean through movement and practice and drilling and perception, and tuning in to the way our bodies work and the way they move in space and practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing with other people in a safe community with amazing teachers, if we are able to do that, if we are able to access that kind of learning, it has dramatic ramifications in your life. Now, the main thing for me at that point was it gave me a base, a community base, which was kind of incredible. I think all my jobs and all the places I lived and 
cars, everything I did at that point for that five years pretty much came from that community. Like we had this amazing network. And, you know, my weekends and evenings were, were filled with beautiful conversations, inspiring engagement. So I was very fortunate and I made lifelong friends. And then, you know, I realized I had reached the point where my personal development had kind of become an obstacle in my training. I wasn't able to actually progress unless I changed deeply in my personal self. I had some hurts to heal, let's say. So I took a break and, you know, some stuff happened. I got attacked again, actually, at another point in my life, which I've spoken about before. I won't speak about too much here, but essentially I was imprisoned by someone experiencing a psychotic episode and uh, I had a knife threatened. Uh, I was threatened with a knife, a big kitchen knife, inside my own home. And I was able to escape that again by um, enacting some of my techniques. Now, that's not always possible, but in my situation it was. I was very fortunate. Again, it just gave me the time to escape. So I just want to emphasize that it wasn't actually that I was carrying out any you know, huge karate chops or kicking moves, but what I was able to do was defend and create the time to escape. So the best form of self-defense is always escape, get out of there, run. <laughs> Running is the first and best self-defense. Avoid danger, number one. If your gut is saying something doesn't feel right, you listen to that, you get out of there. So that's <laughs> number one. So anyway, I continued along that path and then managed to, um, as I've discussed in other podcast episodes, I managed to I guess overcome a lot of adversity that I was experiencing in relationship, in addiction, in uh, economic situation. You know, I had gotten into a huge amount of debt. All of those things, I managed to turn them around over a number of years. It took a lot of work, but I was very determined. I was very willing more than anything else. I was willing. I was um, determined and willing, and I did have some amazing support, which came and went, but amazing support in many different forms. Again, I've talked about that in other podcasts. And I'm sure I will talk about it more. <laughs> but back to the martial arts, what happened was over the years, I always had this kind of love for Hapkido underlying in the background. Had three children, still missing Hapkido. Tried not to miss it. I remember someone saying to me, why are you so hung up on this Hapkido thing? And I'm like, well, I got given this black belt with my name on it. And I've never worn it because I haven't actually achieved black belt level and I just really want to do that. It's, it's like a lifelong goal. And they were like, what does it matter? There you go. You've got a black belt. And I thought, well, you don't really understand. <laughs> and it is. It's a thing that kind of gets in your blood, I think, you know, these passions of ours and these things that really light us up. And anyway, by hook or by crook, I ended up living a few minutes down the road from one of the, I, I would say, one of the top martial arts gyms in the country, potentially the world. It's amazing. We have these fantastic masters, a couple of them that we train with. We have incredible black belts, second degrees, third degrees, fourth degrees, all the way up. Amazing black belts that we train with. Big shout out to you guys, Northern Beaches, Hapkido. Um, largely led by Matthew Geister, who I'm very much hoping to interview for this podcast as well. So if you're listening, Matt, I'm coming for you. He has agreed. He's just quite busy. So I ended up a few minutes down the road from there, so I went back. And I was very fortunate that just when I came back, they started using this amazing space. That There's a really state-of-the-art, incredible space with mats and beautiful, high up on a hill with views of the trees and the, the local area. And we're very fortunate to train there. So came back as a red belt, which is basically the belt or two gradings before, or one grading before a black belt grading, because we do tips, black tips in between. So came back 
in my mind, I was still a red belt. In my body, I was a white belt, <laughs> pretty much. So I had to train. You know, that first year, year and a half was really hard going and there was a lot of challenge because I was looked, you know, I was looked upon by other members of the club, particularly junior members, I suppose, as a red belt, you know. But I wasn't fully capable of being a red belt. So there was a lot of me kind of negotiating fear, I guess, around having to, you know, act as a senior belt when I didn't quite feel like I was there yet skills-wise. And I had to really address some of my own doubts, self-doubts. I had to kind of just keep keep on training, keep on showing up. I mean, fortunately, when you love something, it's so easy to keep showing up, isn't it? So I was pretty lucky. And um, sure enough, there came a day where I was asked, you know, would you like to grade to black tip now? And I said, okay. So I trained harder and graded to black tip which I am now. And hopefully in the next couple of years, maybe sometime around the age of 50, I might get a black belt, which is pretty cool, really. But, um, you know, there's been moments. There's been moments of challenge and difficulty throughout. There always is with anything worth doing, I would say. But for me, Hapkido is one of the great loves of my life. And even when we're locked down, you know, sometimes through this pandemic business, I've been teaching classes online. I now teach a women's class. Shout out to the women. Love my women's class. But what I've discovered is that when I'm teaching and I'm in that flow and I'm bringing the warmth that I naturally bring to it along with the skill that I now have, which is pretty baby, can I just say, in the scheme of things. I'm still kind of a baby baby martial artist. But um, I've been training for eight years all up, five years to begin with, three years later on. And I do love it. I really love it. And I find that the most incredible thing about it is that it's holistic. It brings in every part of my being when I'm on the mats. There is this focus. Nothing else is going on except what's on the mats. You know, you don't bring anything else with you into that. And that's an incredible state to be able to be in two, three times a week, a couple of hours at a time. Had a session this week with one of the other masters, Master Tamnini, fantastic martial artist. And uh, we were learning pole, one of the weapons, and, you know, it's just incredible to me that something that I had watched so, I've watched so many times and always thought I'd love it. And then over the last year or so, I've been struggling a bit with it. And then I do a one-on-one -on -one session with one of the masters and now I'm in love with it again because he kind of showed me a few different things I could do. And um, now I can go drill that and train it and sort of get better at them on my own maybe. <laughs> I'm terrible at training on my own, but I'm trying to learn. So, yeah, it's an amazing process, very humbling. You know, you, you constantly are being humble, doesn't matter what level you are in the martial arts. You make mistakes, you get things wrong, you learn. That's the process. It's like the growth mindset in action. So yeah, I just encourage anyone listening out there to find whatever it is that really lights you up. Find what makes you, just sets fire to your soul and gets you passionate and go with that. You know, it's super exciting. Um, it's incredible what can come out of it. I'm, I'm actually, I had a beautiful message this morning from the mother of a couple of kids who have been attending online classes and she just was saying how much it affects her and how much she's getting out of my lessons because of the warmth and the knowledge that I bring. And it's so humbling to hear that. It's really amazing to hear that. So I guess the takeaway today is just, you know, things could be pretty grim for you, but you don't know what's going to happen. I would never have thought that I would be training now where I am with these guys with these most incredible martial artists and approaching a black belt and teaching, instructing women, which is just such an honour, and friends with some incredible people out there 
most of whom I'm going to get on this podcast because they're just really amazing in the world as well as on the mats in Hapkido. And um, I would just say that if it's hard, you know, keep going. Not if you feel uncomfortable and it's dangerous, but I mean, if you're finding something challenging but you love it, just keep going, just keep swimming. It's it's well worth it. You know, you might have a break. Don't feel like that's the end. I had a 20-year break, but I always kind of knew it was going to come back. So, you know, trust that. If you have that feeling, just trust it. Um, easier said than done, I know, but I just want to kind of give you a bit of that light lightness for your day. So thank you so much for listening. I love hanging out in here with you guys, and um, I'm really looking forward to connecting with you outside of this forum please do make make a little um, message for me somewhere out there and I'll grab it I'd love to see a message from you on Instagram or Facebook find me at soul mama hub and um, lots of love as always Uh